0: Education is a personal choice, Mm -hmm. and people have to choose something that's going to work for them. And our folks want a career. Mm. They want a new job. And so they're buying into not only the education and getting the hard skill, but they're also buying into the network and the support that we provide to get them that job.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Founder Shares podcast. We're so happy that you've chosen to spend some time with us. I'm your host, Trevor Schmidt. I'm an attorney at Hutchison, a law firm in Raleigh, North Carolina. We work with founders and entrepreneurs in technology and life science companies, start up, operate, get funded, and exit. We are daily inspired by the people we work with and want a chance to share some of these stories with you, our listener. So whether you're already an entrepreneur, want to be one someday, or are just fascinated by the stories of how a business goes from idea to success, or not such a success. This podcast is for you. Today's guest is Jessica Mitch-Holmes, co-founder and CEO of Momentum, a tech training company that provides talent transformation courses for those looking to start their careers or to transition from an existing career into tech. Jessica joins us in studio at the American Underground in Durham, where she started Momentum. And on the show, I asked Jessica how Momentum got off the ground, why she's passionate about cultivating talent from unrepresented groups, what's ahead in her growing startup for jessica she's always been focused on a mission of helping others part of that is because in school she needed a bit of help herself
0: one of my goals in life was to to work with a school or start a school that would transform education i'm dyslexic so i i think entrepreneurs find an area in life that they feel like can be improved Mm -hmm. and because of that experience i had in K through 12 education, having dyslexia and having to figure out a different path through school and, you know, always running up against walls and having to break those through um, to get the education that I wanted.
1: Jessica started her career at Red Hat. And although she did end up going down the road of education, it wasn't exactly in the field that she expected.
0: I wanted to do something in my professional life towards education. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about the tech industry. I was a religious studies and dance major in college. (laughs) Um, I was very... Uh, I had had no idea. Uh, And Red Hat is really what I I learned about the tech industry and and really fell in love with it. I love being on that cutting edge of what's happening in the global economy and seeing people that are ready to make a change. So I did not know. It was one of those things where I tell people it was an intention but with no specifics tied to it, and the specifics just played out as life went on.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think sometimes having that open hand at being – Willing to not necessarily adapt your goals, but you know, fit your goals into to whatever it is that comes your way. Yeah, also helps a lot. So, I guess, kind of talk about that 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 process of of how momentum came together and how the team formed around it, and yeah. how would you get started?
0: Yeah. So, I I have to tell our founding story as also incorporating the company I mentioned, the first code school in Durham. Mm-hmm. It's called the Iron Yard, and most of our team members came from that experience. So, we had seen and I kind of got the contagion of continuing to do this from that experience. Okay. So back in, I think it was 2014, 2015, we ran the first code education program in Durham uh, with the Iron Yard. That was the first time that we all saw this, the benefit of hyper-focused education.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you think about our current world, we're all distracted. We've got a thousand things going on, a lot of distractions pulling our way. Um, So we're living in an unfocused world. So bringing in focused education and dedicated training Mm -hmm. is, you know, really an interesting thing to do in this time. On addition to that, we saw a multi-generational classroom, which is, there's no other aspect of education where you really see that. So our first class, we had, you know, teenagers that were tech natives and folks that were going on to their third career and watching them come together and mold together is, it's hard to walk away from that when you see the magic of it. And so the, the Iron Yard was really successful for a couple of years, um, grew and, and unfortunately did not make it beyond, you know, I think it was, they went, we made it for like four years or something along those lines, but had a lot of success in the Durham area in this Mm -hmm. area, I think because not only the tech, the growing tech community, but also, you know, we've got a ecosystem of education in this area. People are used to saving money for education, going and seeking professional education. and so there's something about that combination here locally that really worked. So when the iron yard closed, I actually, I went and told uh, many people in person who had hired from us and had supported us over the years. And Doug Kaufman, who was at the time CEO of Transloc, Mm -hmm. I went in his office and told him, I was like, Hey, just so you know, you know, thank you for being a hiring partner, but this, this isn't gonna make it. And he looked at me and smiled and he was like, So what are you doing next? You know, like and <laughs> in, in, insinuated right. you've got to carry on the torch. Mm-hmm. Uh and so he helped inspire us to move forward and we pulled together a small team coming out of that experience. And that's how momentum was founded. And and we saw the opportunity of, well, we wanna continue moving forward with this code education. We wanna make sure that's in our community. Right. But in addition to that, we saw a lot of other opportunities and ways how are we going to make this work in, an, in another iteration when the business model here, you know, didn't make it?
1: Well, I was going to ask you, you know, was there concerns or, or how did you think about that when you just came out of a business that didn't quite make it yeah. and kind of in the same space and now you're jumping into the same same pool for lack of a better word. Oh yeah. How did you kind of address that and how did you overcome those, those concerns?
0: Yeah. Well, I think first of all, we're all optimistic, <laughs> <laughs> the folks that come into it and that came into this and, and we did see that we had a strong local ecosystem here and we knew that if you broke down, you know, the economics of what was working, yep. that this was a great model. This local ecosystem and supporting code education had a, had a good foundation to it. So we knew that we would start with a good foundation and then we saw the opportunity to do more and more work with companies and organizations. I come from talent acquisition and from a people background early in my career And I know what companies need to do to stay competitive and to make investments. And I saw that growth opportunity here and and well beyond as well. And so we kind of turned the lights off on one company and turned the lights on and kept the bread and butter of what was working moving forward. It's what we knew. Mm -hmm. And then have been seeking ways to get into different spaces, college partnerships we've gone into, and then also working more directly with companies and having companies fund the training.
1: So it sounds like you have a diverse kind of range of students as, as who's coming to Momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like, you know, it really appealed to me when you talk about having a multi-generational classroom because yes. you really don't get that anywhere There's no else. other model of And it. it's yeah. such an opportunity to, to kind of learn from your peers who are not necessarily your age peers. So, so I, th- I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but tell me a little bit about that. So like how does – so imagine, you know, hypothetically, you've got an attorney who, who doesn't want to practice law anymore yes. and really wants to get into tech. Yeah. How does Momentum help that person?
0: Yeah, We've, uh, we work with a lot of paralegals that make the transition, really? okay. actually. So w- our program, we have a four-month intensive program that's mm. full-time. It's the main course. We also offer a part-time course, but we're in the process of getting a different collaboration going with the part-time format. So our, our core format right now is a four-month program, okay. and it's full-time. So it, unlike other forms of education, it models a professional workplace. Mm. You're with us nine to five, Monday through Friday. You've got deadlines, and we are actually you're you're coding day one.
1: Oh wow! Uh,
0: and so it's it's actually it's 640 hours of education, and, and a lot of folks compare. They're like, well, you know, why would I do this when there's a computer science degree that I could go seek at a four year institution? And or we commonly hear from hiring managers as well. I like to hire comp sci majors. Right how are how are your students going to have as much experience? I'm like, well, if you look at the, just the hours they spend, 640 hours is a lot more than you're, you're getting in one specific area right. within a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very, very focused, and it's broken into four phases of coursework, two phases mm-hmm. that are your your fundamentals, everything you need to know about full-stack engineering. The third phase is your choose-your-own-major. Okay. Uh, you, students choose their own track to focus on either – Advanced topics in back end engineering or advanced topics in front end. Mm-hmm. And then we have a four week final project um, that's kind of like a capstone, if you will, from uh more traditional education. And uh that's where they're really they're building something real world right. on a team and that models the professional work. I was experience. gonna say,
1: so it just sounds like they've got that opportunity not only to code for themselves, but like you said, to code on a team, which is a whole different
0: oh, yes. animal in yeah, some respects. That we really focus on all of those, you know, people will call them soft skills, but making sure that people can work on a team. They mm-hmm. understand agile development. They understand also how to like give feedback. So we, something that I took from my red hat days is, as we sit down, we talk about like situation, behavior, impact models, like the SBI model of giving feedback and receiving feedback and going through that. So we're filling in a lot of gaps for folks too, from just how to be a professional mm-hmm. and how to be effective professional. And uh, our students are coming out with a, just a lot to offer an employer.
1: Now, do they? Do your students have backgrounds in tech to begin with? Do you see people coming in completely?
0: Most of them are completely green. Really, we, we get a lot of like people that. So, a, a little about sixty uh, percent of our students have formal education, a bachelor's degree. Right. Um, on, on top of that, I think we have we're, we're about to release our annual outcomes report, which has all this data. So, some of it I can tease out, which is coming out in the next couple of weeks. But it's like fifteen percent have like higher education, master's degrees, mm-hmm. PhDs. And when I've done code education in the past, at a national scale, that's unique to this region. And then everybody else does not have, they have non-traditional backgrounds. Okay. And so, uh, no, most most people are pretty green. And when it comes to tech, uh, on occasion, we'll work with people. We, we see a lot of folks that were in like marketing or sales within a tech company that want to make the transition. Mm-hmm. And they have some context there of the industry. But most people don't even have the industry context. They're leaving from nursing or education or, you know, other fields.
1: And do do they find it daunting to get started? I mean, how do you overcome that kind of fear of this is something completely new?
0: Absolutely. I think everybody finds it daunting. When we had our location down here at American Underground, we had a big quote on the wall. It's uh, by Francis E. Willard that reads, the world is wide and I will not waste my life in friction when it can be turned into momentum. Mm. And to me, you know, when you were doing your intro and you're talking about how your clients inspire you, to me, that's what the, the, Uh, ecosystem of startup founders have, and that's also a trait that our students have. Mm -hmm. They're hitting some point, they're career changers, they have life experience, a lot of them have families they have to take care of, and they're sitting there in a point of friction, doing whatever it is they're doing, and they just decide to turn that into momentum. Mm -hmm. And that actually, that quote is one of the reasons we named the company Momentum. I was going to that, (laughs) they can actually not (laughs) see it. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Amy, who's our director of engineering and instruction, found that quote. And we just felt like it really embodied what Mm -hmm. folks do. So yeah, it is absolutely daunting uh, for people to take this leap of faith into another career at at whatever stage of life they are in. But how we support them in that is, one, we have a lot of success stories. We like to connect our prospective students with people that have done this. And that's a big help. When you can see somebody similar to you that Mm -hmm. has the same background, you know, we actually this past weekend, we have somebody coming with from a music background we have a music teacher in our current class who's doing really well, and we connected them. And so we're very big on your your network is how you get work, sustain work, and stay and, and you know grow a career. So we build those networks for our students early on, and we make those connections. And I think that helps. But yes, otherwise it's it's a big leap of faith. Our, our folks have a lot of courage. Uh,
1: well, it's amazing to, to, to you know to people want to do this and then to make that commitment because, like you said, it's it's a lot that they're going to commit themselves to doing. But yeah. It's amazing that people are kind of taking that step. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask you, you know, historically tech has not really been the poster child for diversity and inclusivity. And there's really this stereotype of coding being a male-dominated area. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, do you feel momentum has a role in changing this or kind of helping to alleviate that?
0: Absolutely. And I think really, too, for the moment that we're in, you know, one of the reasons that it is such a male-dominated field is if you look at the generation that's working right now, they came out of a time where... There was advertising and very direct targeting towards young men Mm -hmm. at the time to get into computers and computer science. Whereas if you look, you know, predating that, there are a lot of women in early computing stages. And, you know, as as times change and cultures change, that change. So where we are right now in in the time and space, more men got into this field at an earlier age. And what Momentum can do, we provide, we work within the existing workforce. We work with career changers. So there is that pipeline problem to address Mm -hmm. with young folks. That's not what we're addressing. We're addressing right now what's happening in the existing workforce. And so as a result, um, actually all, all of our instructor team right now, all of our full-time instructors are women. Okay. Um, we also, we work with awesome part-time instructors that not, that team's more diverse, but all of our full-time instructors and our instructor leadership is all women. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a big difference as far as having women be able to see themselves and say, oh, okay, I can come into this industry and, yep. you know, have that entryway point that's really welcoming. Uh, so I, we definitely can have a big impact with organizations. And, and we're working with companies. Companies right. are coming to us and saying, okay, instead of hiring onesie, twosie for momentum, we have to be really strategic. You know, we have a hiring need where we're going to need 20 new associate software engineers every quarter wow. or, you know, every part of, you know, part of the year. And we say, okay, cool. So let's sit and work with you. And what are your DEI and i goals specifically for your organization? And how can we align your goals with what we can recruit for, source for, and train for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really it's been really exciting, especially over the pandemic, to see companies starting to be more strategic and companies in our area also realizing there's a lot of pressure on talent right now in this area. Yeah. The announcement of Google and Apple kind of lit everybody up and said, okay, we've gotta be really smart about how we're gonna track talent and then retain it. Right. One of our points to companies is, we know now 72% of momentum graduates stay with their organization for two or more years. Wow. So that is actually higher from a retention standpoint than a lot of folks in the industry and, and specifically in software engineering. Mm-hmm. So when you invest in somebody and you help them gain a skill and then they come and join you and work for you, you've you've got a loyal employee.
1: So when you're working with these hiring partners, are you first looking to kind of train up within that organization or you, they tell you what they need and you go out into the community and try to find...
0: A mix of both. Okay. And sometimes it's both at the same time. Right. Uh, because uh, companies want to retain folks on in, on their existing team. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, we we uh, spoke with a, a major airline uh, last year who said, hey, we have a great diverse workforce. They're all in the airports. <laughs> when you get to our corporate office is right. when it doesn't. So we want to find opportunities for people to gain training. And so they're looking internally. Where can we find the talent? And then there's some companies that are coming to us and saying, hey, we're, we're on such a rapid growth trajectory. We need to bring talent in elsewhere. Okay, And in that case, we do work with partners and work with our own pipeline of interested people and source talent for them.
1: Got it. So tell me a little bit about some of the early challenges for the company. As you were first getting started, You know, what were some of the hiccups that, that you faced?
0: Yeah. I, I, our biggest challenge was making a shift from a, a business model that was already in existence here and under a different brand And thinking that we could just kind of take that and move it forward. And uh, what I learned is brand has a big impact on a consumer choice and it takes a while to establish a trusted brand. So that was, you know, I thought just by the people that were behind the brand, you know, folks would, would, would the name, you know, having a different name and a different brand and a different company wouldn't really matter. But it turns out, you know, if people are making a big choice and making a, you know, putting a lot of money into what we do having a reputation really mattered. So yeah. we had to build that. We did, couldn't make a big, you know, a quick uh, switch like we thought we could. So that was one challenge. And, and the other challenge is we have a lot of competition. Hmm. A friend of mine, you know, coming out of the talent acquisition space said, you know, the coding bootcamp, coding education space reminded her a lot of the recruiting agency space in like the 80s and 90s. Right. There's just a lot of folks that can get into the model. There's, you know, low barrier entries. It is a regulated industry, but not everybody, you know, goes that path. Right. And so we all of a sudden had a lot more competition. And and universities are starting to white label programs and get into the space too. And obviously they've got fantastic brands. So we had to get really scrappy. And we, for our first couple of years, put in a a refund policy. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we did not get you a job, we would refund your tuition. So we did things like that to build trust uh, knowing that we were a, a young brand and we needed to establish ourselves. And even though the people working w- on the company really, we knew what we were doing and we had we had f- learned through failure and success, right? we had to really establish that trust with the community.
1: Yeah. It raises an interesting question too because as I think about it, you know, I think it was Elon Musk who mentioned like if anybody has an internet connection that can learn to do just about anything through YouTube or through the internet in general. Absolutely. And so there are all these coding resources that are out there, you know, free online courses. How do you, I mean, to me it seems obvious, but how do yeah. you compete with the kind of just that general availability yeah. of information?
0: Yeah. So education is a personal choice mm-hmm. and people have to choose something that's going to work for them. Most of Momentum students have started with an online resource that was low cost or free. Mm-hmm. And we really encourage it. It's a good pipeline to make sure that people are interested. Uh, We like to tell our applicants that if you're interested in this, you'll be good at it. If you're not interested in this, don't move forward. You're going to be miserable. How do you find out interest? You tinker. And you do a lot of online resources. But what we hear from people is, I want some structure. I want to, you know, life is busy. I've got kids. I've got all this going on. I want a structure in place. And I want that ability to learn from another human where I can have that dialogue. And, right. and they want peer learning environments. And they want something to reflect the job. Right. And that's the most important thing is you're not going to be coding in isolation when you get into the field. You're going to be on a team yep. with a company. And so we mirror that environment and we help give that focus. And, and similar to anything, we also curate really well what is good and what's not good. That's out there on the internet for right. our students to have that kind of support or our learners to have that support. So yeah, I think it's a personal choice. Our, our folks want a career. Mm. They want a new job. And so they're buying into not only the education and getting the hard skill, but they're also buying into the network and the support that we provide. To get them that job. And that's you're not gonna find with online education.
1: Well you, you touched on it, but I, I think that's one thing that stood out to me as I was looking through your website is you know momentum really is emphasizing this fact that this is really a stepping stone to a, a career and a job and, and it focuses on placement. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that and, and kind of about that emphasis and then kind of about the relationships that you have to build as a company then to have this pipeline for your graduates to, to be able to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We have two customers. We always have, you know, our our learners, our students coming in the career changers and then the companies Mm -hmm. and that we have to start with the companies because if we're not training to what they need, then the learners have no reason to come seek us. So we are very, very active. We're constantly talking to hiring managers, making sure that we understand what's going on with job postings that job has shifted during the pandemic because now we are more nationally focused, okay. Instead of just specific uh, here with local relationships, by product of as soon as we went virtual, we have people signing up from all over the country, oh, wow. yeah. And they want to stay usually in their area. Uh, we also do get the people that are really eager to move to Raleigh-Durham, and they just see it as like an up-and-coming city, and so that that's why they choose us. But yeah, we we we. It's a daily practice for us to stay involved with the hiring community.
1: So you did shift to kind of online learning during the pandemic. We did how yeah. was that kind of as a transition for you and <laughs> the company? Well,
0: it wasn't a planned one, right. as you can imagine. <laughs> I, everybody went through this. I remember we had st- we had a group of students going into final projects that week, which was like this week. Yeah, it's, it's coming up. On two earth, years right? ago, yeah. and I kind of had my head down and wasn't really paying attention to the pandemic, and my staff certainly was. And we had that notification of, oh, we're going to go on a two-week lockdown. So we did the whole clean out the fridge so it doesn't smell when we get back. And Amy, who's head of uh, instruction and in engineering, looked at me and she was like, I don't think we're going to see each other for a while. Uh, and so overnight we we made the change and we found a lot of benefits to it.
1: Right.
0: And a lot of assumptions that we had that we had feared going to virtual education, which we had certainly spoken about before, turned out to really not be true. And I think, I think part of it was – folks were so resilient and they wanted to keep going. But then we also learned that, okay, well, the industry is going to look like this for a while. Right. In fact, in our our data that we uh, are about to post our annual outcomes report, 80% of our graduates are working virtual and out of them, over 50% are know that they're going to stay in a virtual or hybrid, hybrid environment. So one of the reasons we were in American Underground before is we wanted people to have that experience of what is it like to be working in this industry right. and rubbing shoulders with people that are doing this job and now what the industry looks like is virtual right. and working from home and zoom so we're going to keep the education to match what people are going to experience in the professional world
1: and i also think imagine as you have kind of a more national platform now that you can do virtual classes yeah does it make it harder to have kind of those job opportunities then because if you have a coder in i don't know seattle or in maine they may not have the necessarily the same channels to job opportunities that they would if they were here in the Triangle.
0: Yeah, I, right now the whole industry is operating virtually, and okay. it's just kind of like there's no walls, and there's just so much job opportunity that it really doesn't matter where you are. We certainly have employers now that are coming. Like I spoke with a West Coast employer last mm-hmm. week, really eager to have a team in Raleigh-Durham. And part of that is there's an assumption that the cost of living is a little bit lower. That's going to balance itself out. I mean, we're seeing salaries you know, compete with right. New York and, and the, the West coast right now. But we are seeing employers nationally also come to us because we have a stronghold in this region. But then when we talk to them about our candidates and other places, they're like, Oh, that's fine because we're virtual.
1: Right. So, well, I mean, it kind of ties into it. What do you see as some of the challenges facing just the general tech ecosystem and specifically here in the triangle? Cause I mean, I, we talk to clients all the time. It's just like, we can't hire coders. We don't, we don't have the people we can do it. So
0: yeah, scale. I mean, yeah. we're going to have, and, and, you know, momentum, really, truly, we could be doing 10 times the amount that we're doing and still have local, local folks say we still need more people. Right. And so I spend a lot of time talking to senior leaders in engineering and senior leaders in HR. And right now, the positions in HR, chief people officer, chief head of talent acquisition, are like playing musical chairs Mm. everybody's rotating you know our contact at one company is now at a different company and another different company and part of that is because there's every organization is how do we think differently about talent how we thought about it two years ago is not it's out the door
1: right
0: we need a different strategy we need fresh eyes and there's a hyper focus on how are we going to get the people to get our goals achieved and so there's a lot of like i think. Especially right now, coming out of the pandemic, a lot of poaching action happening. And, right. lot, you know, a lot of companies just kind of borrowing talent or stealing talent from other places and that the musical chairs is being played. And so retention is mm. a big issue for a senior leadership. And that's where we're kind of coming in and saying, hey, let's think differently. Let's get out of the talent war. that This is not working and think more long term. How are you going to build talent that's going to stay with you for a long time? That's also going to hit your your DNA and, e and I goals and how do you build the team that you want, mm-hmm. and that's going to be with you and be sticky. And you've got to think about investing in talent in a different way instead of just throwing recruiting resources at it and having them just play this game that everybody's playing. Yeah. And I think for our region, we need that. And and we've got a strong start. We've got a lot of edu- we've got a lot of great education providers. We're we're working on a couple of local university collaborations. We can't, we're looking forward to announcing this year. So I think if we come together. As a region, we can solve this problem. Right. But talent and skill, it's, it's going to be, you know, and then housing and all the things that come I with it saying, like, lifestyle. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the
1: dominoes just kind of trickle out from there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is is kind of the people aspect of this. And, and it seems like from looking back over your career, that's been a big emphasis kind of at the different jobs that you've you have had. And I guess as I was thinking about momentum, I think of it as, as kind of a tech – coding training space mm-hmm. but as i listen to you talk about it there's also this is a huge hr aspect to it so i, I oh, yeah. wonder if you could just kind of talk about how your past experience yeah has influenced what you're doing and allows you to then speak into these companies a little bit differently than you would otherwise
0: yeah i i've definitely always been on the people side of the industry and love love people love seeing you know those lights go off and i, I tell people i i, I want to work with people that have their lights on when they come to work yeah and, and are really jazzed and ready to make a change and re- ready to make you know, take risks and believe in themselves or find that belief in themselves over time. So I've certainly – that's been the thread of my career. And I believe it also comes from my, – my, my parents are executive coaches and they run a business uh, where they've done coaching leadership you know, starting in the, like, 90s when I was a, a kid. And mm-hmm. and so I've always seen that side of the business. And I majored in religious studies in college, and and so much of that was just a sincere interest in people and mm-hmm. how the world goes around, goes around in culture. So I, that is, you know, kind of where I spend a lot of time thinking. And so I love the people side of the business. And it can be challenging, you yeah. know. People, obviously, it's not as easy as pulling a widget and saying, like, this is what the product does, and it does these things, and we can it can print money overnight. It, I mean, people are... Not yep. that, so it comes with his challenges for sure. But I, I was going
1: to say because I mean I think in some respects it's a service industry. Absolutely. You know, as as is the legal field, and and there are yep. certain challenges associated with that that you don't yes. constantly have to meet that those people's demands and, and yes. kind of continue to meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. But I also think about it for for you. You've got two aspects of the people's because you're running a company, mm-hmm. and then you've got your. Your, your students that are coming in, and you got to manage kind of both of those. And, yeah. and are, there, are they different challenges, or are they all related?
0: They are certainly related. I mean, our our team, because we focus on, to your point, you know, there's a lot of ways you can learn to code online. Mm-hmm. Why you choose us is because we're going to work with you, and we're going to have those one-on-one conversations, and we're going to encourage you, and we're going to help figure out a way to make this work for each individual learner. So that takes a lot out of our instructors. You know, our instructors are software engineers for a reason. Right. They pour their heart and soul into their job every day. And at the end of the day, they're they're guests. You know, they're they're done. And so um, finding a way to get everything that we need to get done to continue to move the for the company forward, but also acknowledge that we're all having face-to-face or zoom to zoom conversations and, and pouring a lot into every person that comes through. it, it takes a tremendous amount of energy and understanding and so in in some ways, you know, the team and the students are similar in that is we're all just putting it, everything into it. And we're very much feel what the students are feeling. Yeah. And we take that responsibility seriously. You know, we know that these people's lives and, and ever since we've gone virtually, we know their cats, we know their pets, you know, we like <laughs> everybody right. else, we we see, you know, the life that they have behind them on that screen. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that they have the same outcome as other folks. And we actually, the report that we're about to publish, i still teasing it out, but we, have, we see a 41% increase in people's salaries pre-momentum wow. to post-momentum. So we know that this is life-changing. That's and amazing. We really believe in it. And so part of our job is to be that cheerleader for our students. And as a result, we've be a, I've got to be a cheerleader for the team and, like, right. you know, and make sure that we're still going.
1: Well, maybe you could share. I, I wonder if do you have any kind of examples or anecdotes that you think of, of success stories of some of your oh students goodness. that come through.
0: So many. I will say, because it is – we're coming off of – or it's Women's History – was Women's History Month. I can't give up. But I know that we're coming off of this is um, we have so many women that make this career change that are kind of coming transitioning from taking care of young ones mm-hmm. to I need to get back into the workforce.
1: Right.
0: And, or have gone through some sort of life experience. And one of the women that have came through recently – or I, actually, she didn't come through recently, but we talked to her recently – came through our program – single mom had just gone through a separation, two kids, young at the time. I was a preschool teacher before. yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to be able to sustain my family off of my income as a preschool teacher, nor does that give me any flexibility to take care of my own kids because right, yeah. I'm taking care of other, other kids all day. And she had a knack and an interest for tech and she had some support from the community to go through the program. And uh, during the pandemic, she bought She bought a house for her kids and called us and said, you know, I bought a house for my kids. And and she worked so hard. She is one of the only students we had that got from the CEO a job offer on the spot coming out of her interview. And because she had to make it work. That's, the you know, what I'm so impressed with with the moms that come through our program specifically is they have to make this work. And so they're so, like, I mean, their eyes are popping out of their head. They're so dedicated. And she did a really great job presenting or getting ready for an interview Went and presented a product that she built in the code, and the CEO of the company wrote a number on and slid it across the table. <laughs> I've never seen that happen because I, I don't
1: think that I thought that only happened in movies. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: mean, really. And and she got the job, oh, and she wow. was with that company for o- over two years, and and then took another job um, with an organization that recruited her, and she bought a house for her kids that's and such- her and you know and that, so that kind of transformation, and that's one of you know hundreds of those stories we have.
1: Well, I imagine that's got to help. With you talk going back to the energizing the team and staying focused and like re kind of those types of stories. Oh yeah. You know, some some jobs it's tough to get up in the morning and say why am I doing this? But it sounds like you've got a lot of yeah, lot of that inspiration.
0: Yeah, the report we're putting out has the salary ranges of our students that started with us in 2018, Mm -hmm. and they're all uh, the over making over 90. That's fantastic. And so we saw like we know that they make a 40 percent increase on their salary before momentum. And then after momentum, we're seeing it's I think thirty five point eight percent increase that goes on from there. So that it, I mean, it's it's life changing for people, and yeah. it's it, it's and it's positively impacting the industry that we care and love about too.
1: That's great. Yeah, it's just so so good. And and I wanted to go back to one of the things you're talking about. You're talking about how you're working with universities now, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit because you know we have so many great universities in the area. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, are you competitive with universities? Are you collaborative? How does that work out?
0: Yeah, it's a mix of both okay. for sure. We're going to, we're taking the approach of how can we collaborate? The challenge that universities have and the whole reason that the coding bootcamp space exists is universities are fantastic and they've been around for forever. And but part of their issue, like so many institutions that are getting challenged by the tech industry is that they've been around forever. And mm-hmm. so they have a system and a way of doing things and to get a curriculum passed or changed in a university, it takes could take years. Right. And the tech industry is moving way faster than that. And so we have the advantage of being really nimble. And we are certainly, we are regulated by the state. We okay. are regulated under um, the community college board. So we do have some regulation, but it is nowhere near what a university has to go through and all the bureaucracy there to change and get a new class up and running or, you know, mm-hmm. get a curriculum changed. Hire a professor that probably is not working full time in the industry. All of those things. Right. So what we're seeing is universities have been approaching us and saying, "Hey, we need this thing that industry is saying they need. Right. Can you bring it in? Can we plug it in? Either through a white labeled or a collaborative program." And so, and so that's what we're we're getting ready to launch uh, two partnerships this year that we're really really excited about. And so again, this is another tease. You know, not right ready to go public with it quite yet, but. Helping universities fill that gap and then also fill that gap for continued education.
1: Okay. Well, see, we're getting a lot of little, little tidbits here, exciting things to come for momentum. Yeah. But that leads into, so what do you see as some of the challenges that you face kind of in the next few years as you continue to grow momentum?
0: We have been in this model, this business model that's more B2C focused, business to consumer focused, and we're really going towards another direction uh, where we want the, the income coming to the business, the revenue coming into the business to be more from industry. And we will still be providing those uh, life-changing services to mm-hmm. individuals, but that industry needs to be kind of fo- footing the bill. And we're seeing that the talent acquisition space right now is so competitive that it makes sense for industry to do that and to not assume that people are going to go out, pay for themselves to get qualifications, but instead work with their companies on getting those Almost qualifications. Almost like
1: an MBA-type process where – Yes, except
0: yeah. even with an MBA, you know, the company's paying for it. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So companies pay
1: to get people into these executive training programs. And
0: yeah. And I think for any company that's ever tried to make that transition from B2C to B2B, it's a challenging one because we have, you know, our existing product that's running. Right. So I think, you know, that it's gonna it's gonna be a big lift and we're gonna be looking at who do we have on the team that's gonna be able to do work with companies and there's a different level of expectation there. So that's that is our challenge uh, that we're facing moving forward.
1: And and do you see is is like a momentum Austin or a momentum some other place in the country or like being based here in the Triangle? Do you have enough of a footprint that you can reach where you need to?
0: Yeah, I actually think um, the the pandemic had a lot of silver linings for the business. And uh, one of our instructors right now just is not local, and she lives out in St. Louis and we will be able to hire and expand our reach as the, the clients or the customer needs mm-hmm. pretty easily. And because we are, we're doing a lot of virtual training, it, it doesn't really matter to the companies so much where the talent sits. So we kind of went, gained more of a national strategy kind of overnight, like everybody.
1: Right. Can, so when you a Momentum, you said it was right here in the American Underground, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the, your partnership with AU and that experience?
0: Yeah. AU has been, you know, always, it's it's like coming home every time you come here. I think they've done such an excellent job pulling together an incredible amount of drive and entrepreneurship and resources for entrepreneurs. And so we we were founded here in the basement of American Tobacco, actually, which is, you know, original yeah. AU location. It's been a lot of years in the basement, as did so many people. But I being able to walk up and down the hallways and run into people that were You know, having similar experiences and trying to get a company off the ground and people that have done it before, like Chris Hively and Mm -hmm. Dave Neal and and being around investors that work, you know, with a lot of different companies and all of that, it's just the energy of this ecosystem. I think is, is so critical. And if you're starting a company, I would highly recommend getting into one of these ecosystems. And I think American Underground has done it the best. Yeah,
1: I think they've done a great job. And, and it's an interesting question because, you know, as we talked about with COVID and being remote and people moving kind of into this, I'm just in my basement and I'm just working here. You lose out on that rubbing shoulders opportunities. Right. And I just wonder, I guess, as you see your students kind of preparing for their workplace and as you talk to recruiters, I guess how do we replicate that, or are we just going to bide our time until we can get back to in person? Yeah,
0: I think it's really important to have this kind of space. And and one of what was really attractive when I left Red Hat to come into this type of ecosystem was when you leave a big company, you are leaving a lot of like the happy hours Mm -hmm. and the you know Red Hat always does this thing around Halloween, which you all probably have seen downtown. um, You know, where all the executives dress up and do like you know, skit and all, and, you know, that kind of cultural component of working at a company that brings people together or, you know, the fitness challenges or the, you know, holiday parties. So when you come back to a small company, you don't lose that when you're in a space like this, they they still do all those things and you get to then meet people across other organizations. And I think that collaboration is really key and, and fun and it makes it a little bit easier to stomach going into and starting a company.
1: Yes, for sure. Well, so we are the Founder Shares podcast. So I always like to ask all of our guests, you know, if there was one piece of advice that you wanted to share for somebody else who's thinking about starting a company, what piece of advice would that be?
0: For anybody, especially in this ecosystem, there's so many people that are generous with their time and advice. And there's so many people around you that have done it that want to help. And so uh, my biggest advice would be to start having conversations with people And then to like anything in life, like you might never feel ready, but you're going to learn so much by actually just going after it and making the full on commitment.
1: Now, can you think back to your experiences, like people who have been there for the advice and like, how did you approach those people and kind of get that encouragement?
0: Yeah. Oh, so much of it just happened through, again, like being in a space like this where you're having those daily conversations and water cooler conversations, if you will, and telling people what you're interested in, what you want to do, and then. You know, people are, I I always try to be really generous to uh, my time to other founders and entrepreneurs because I had that experience where people, you know, everything, even from our our recent investment to our initial investment to get the company off the ground, all of that happened through connections and and pretty much through the AU network saying, oh, hey, you need to meet this person, you need to meet this person, and and that's, you know, how it developed. And so- I think you just have to let people know what you're thinking and what yes. you want to do and you'd be willing to go to a lot of coffee meetings. And um, it, I think it happens organically in an ecosystem like ours mm. where people are generous of their time.
1: That was Jessica Mitch Holmes, co founder and CEO of Momentum, which you can find out more about at MomentumLearn.com. That's MomentumLearn.com. If you want to see my interview with Jessica live and in studio, you can find it on the EarFluence YouTube channel. If you're a founder or business owner and need legal advice, we'd love to hear from you. You can start by visiting our website at Hutchlaw.com. That's H-U-T-C-H-L-A-W.com. We have the capacity to help you out with just about any legal need your company may be facing. We're passionate about the innovation economy and ready to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. This show was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Trevor Schmidt, and we'll talk to you next time on The Founder Shares Podcast.